welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Jackie. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees rewatching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. And this week we are talking about the 1994 Kevin Smith comedy Clerks with our dear and fellow movie lover Nick. Welcome. Hey everybody. Good to be back. <laughs> we're so happy to have you back. Yeah, we are. Our clerks doing clerks. And if you haven't listened to the episode, our mini episode we did before, where Nick tells us how he got arrested at Hollywood Video, you need to take a pause and go check it out. It's an epic tale. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here's a few ways you can. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? Like this review from our dear pal, Stephanie. Come for the movie memories and stay for the laughs. Jackie and Danielle are a blast to hang out with every episode. These besties have me laughing out loud all the time. And they find some awesome guests to interview and share in their movie reviews. They've really developed a way of remembering, retelling, and ridiculing our favorite slash horrible movies we grew up watching. And I'm here for it. Thanks, ladies, for all the fun trips down cinematic memory lane. P.S. I want more memories of your time at Blockbuster. I love that for us. I do, too. <laughs> and I hope that Nick's Hollywood video story serves that that need for yes. more memories. <laughs> I really, I really envision you like reading these reviews as like a movie trailer voiceover like, you know, like, like five stars says stingray staff <laughs> i wish i wish i could do it <laughs> in a world where two blockbuster employees <laughs> if you want to be featured and if you really want us to read these reviews this way let us know and help us grow by heading to apple spotify Pod Chasers, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And while you're there, make sure to like and subscribe so that you get notifications of new episode releases. I'm really excited because we have merch, obviously, and every day we get a message from Redbubble saying that there's new merch. I need to go take a deep dive in. I think we've talked about that there's now pet bowls. There's bandanas. bandanas, bucket hats. There's so much fun stuff. And hopefully soon we might be updating the store with some new goodies of our own. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure to go to nomorelatefees.redbubble.com and buy some merch. Let's get into the movie, Jackie. What you got for us? <sighs> yes. So Clerks is a 1994 American black and white buddy comedy film written produced and directed by Kevin Smith and starring Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson. It presents a day in the lives of store clerks Dante Hicks and Randall Graves and their acquaintances. It stars Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, Marilyn Giolotti, Jason, Mew <laughs> Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, and Lisa Spoonauer. It was written in... Right? <laughs> starring. Loosely. <laughs> It was written and directed by Kevin Smith. You can currently watch it on Paramount+. Plus. But before we get started, let's get into our ratings rewind. 
So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing's right home about. And same-day rental. This shit tastes like piss and flies. It's straight up trash. <laughs> That's from Clark's too, but yeah, I feel it like works. it's appropriate. It fits. <laughs> All right, Nick, we're going to start with you. What is your Y2K rating of this movie? Yeah, so I think this is kind of just important to sit in for a second because I feel like the tone of the conversation is going to change. But man, <laughs> like... Like 16 year old me, 18 year old me, this movie was important. Like it was required watching in my friend group. We like I made a list of all the lines we used to quote. As a matter of fact, like it was available on Paramount Plus, but I just I pulled it off my shelf. Like I still own it on DVD, even though I've like cut my DVD collection by half or more since I started having kids. Yeah, like Y2K Nick, 1998 Nick was he bought it twice and would buy it more. Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Yeah, why, why, why? Two K Nick would buy it. Would buy it again, Jackie. So it's no secret. I I adore Kevin Smith. You do. Um, <laughs> shocking <laughs> revelation. But I have a theory. I wrote a ten-page paper on it in Jesus. college. That you are either a mall rat or a clerk, uh, and so I am a mall rat. So Clerks did not quite resonate with me. I did not own it, but I will give it a five-day rental. I'm right there up there. I'm right up there with you, friend. We were definitely mall rats, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I'll probably retell this when we do mall rats, but my introduction to Kevin Smith was my church youth group sleep-in that we had at church. And we watched... Mallrats and Akira. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, like <laughs> I was obsessed with Mallrats and I didn't watch Clerks till a little bit later. And I was like, mm, not the same. So I'd go with Friday Rental. I wonder if the theory is like, whichever one you watch first would be the one you'd watch want to watch more because yeah. i watched clerks before mall rats and i think i'm definitely a clerks like i i prefer clerks and dogma and chasing amy more than i like you know mall rats although jay and silent bob i think is the best of the jay and silent bob movies or at least the most enjoyable the one i'd want to watch again but yeah but i definitely prefer clerks and dogma and i feel like mall rats i definitely watched before clerks so I, you might be on to something there. Yeah, I need I to find similar, my paper. <laughs> I, have a similar, I have a similar theory with bands and albums. Like the, <laughs> the album that introduced you to the band will always feel like the best album that every other one is compared to. Yeah. Ooh, um, yeah. Yeah. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> no, I just, I, I feel like clerks should resonate with this more because of mm -hmm. just the experience of being a clerk, I guess you could say, but yeah, Mallrats 100%, all the inside, all the jokes that became inside jokes and all the characters. I never really got into the whole Clerks thing. You know, I think I kind of watched Clerks too. I don't remember if I finished it or not. 
but like I definitely watch Mallrats. I like Dogma a lot. At the time, I liked Jay and Silent Bob, but we already, if you haven't listened to our Jay and <laughs> Silent Bob episode, you should check that one out. Did not age well. No. So I did, like I said, I wrote papers. So I have books. I have. <laughs> so an askew view, the films of Kevin Smith by John Kenneth Muir. He notes, clerks reflects a time. I have to move my marker. Clerks reflects a time in which it was created the early 90s. America had just come out of a recession in 92. And Gen X was graduating from school to discover there were not so many great job opportunities out there. And after the yuppie prosperity of the 1980s, this new generation learned the hard way it might be America's first to make less money and be less successful than its predecessors. And this realization led to a kind of disenfranchisement among an overeducated group of youngsters who thanks to the benefits of a liberal arts education, have enough perspective to understand their dilemma. Gen Xers were educated enough to bemoan their situation. And I feel like this movie kind of fits with like singles, reality bites, like all of those, I just graduated, especially reality bites, like Mm -hmm. they were like, what the hell is going on trying to figure out their life? Because this movie is really one day taking a look at the mundane which I don't think we get as much anymore. Like just following the very nothingness of your life. And I don't want to say nothingness, but like just your everyday, but making it feel important. You know, there's no like huge subplot or goal of the movie. It's just, I woke up and this is what happens when I work at the quick mark kind of thing, which is, I think we got a lot of those in in the 90s too, which was cool. Yeah. And Kevin Smith has gone on record to say that the time frame, just one day was heavily influenced. He's heavily influenced by Spike Lee because he admired that Spike Lee like didn't care about perception. Like he was going to make the movies he wanted to make and he really didn't care others opinion about his movies and Kevin Smith found that very interesting and liberating and so the way this movie is set just all in one day is inspired by do the right thing and I think during this time period we do see a lot of those kind of directors kind of spring up Mm -hmm. who are almost anti-establishment because you know the film bros that we even talk about now, it's kind of funny how like the same kind of discourse is still happening today on TikTok, essentially, Mm -hmm. where you have the film bros and there's always that same list of the same movies that are looked at as being better than versus because you went to film school or something like that. While Mm -hmm. you see a group of these directors who just wanted to always make films but maybe didn't have the resources to invest in going to a film school and build their careers off of the backs of their communities their families and it's been really interesting to see how more with technology and has made it accessible to kind of continue that and it feeds into today and so many people are looking at the Spike Lees the Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino's the Kevin Richard, Smith of the world yeah Richard, Richard Linklater. Linklater John Singleton was yes. an early adopter of that 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I also love that a lot of those filmmakers open the door to make it accessible for people who were like their cinematographers or who worked on the sets with them or who just looked up to them. They made space for them to have a mm-hmm. lane as well. Like, you know, you look at Robert Rodriguez with Quentin Tarantino. I mean, John Singleton obviously was mm-hmm. heavily influenced by Spike Lee as well. But And Kevin Smith did go to film school. He went to Vancouver Film School. So it wasn't like this bright, shiny. It was one of... It was more one of those, like, had an advertisement in the newspaper, like, so you want to make movies? Yeah. Come to our school type thing. Yeah. So he did have some education, but like you said, he didn't have a lot of capital to to make this movie. He sold his comic book collection. He borrowed some money from his parents, and he maxed out all his credit cards. And, and he the, also um... and the check. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, the 10-year the anniversary DVD that I have, I was, like, flipping through the liner notes on that, and, like, it, it has his, like, handwritten budget for the movie, and the credit cards he was maxing out have, like, a 20% interest rate. I'm like, yes. good lord, man. <laughs> he really he really went after this one. He did what he could. He did. he did. He even got a FEMA check. Something had happened to his car, I believe, and he used it, some of that money as well. He got told in a flood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Muse told him to move it uphill and Kevin didn't believe him and it ended up being totaled out. Oh my gosh. I, I appreciate you like given that that like cultural context of like of what you know Gen X was feeling in 1994. Because I think like in rewatching this movie, I mean we'll get into it because I got I have issues with a lot of stuff <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. That's not even like you know, like oh, like oh 2022 hindsight, like it didn't age well. I'm like, actually no, this is bad at the time but <laughs> the point is that there were moments in this movie where i'm like i could really see kevin smith's talent like yes. the man is sharp and he could write and like there's there's moments with dante and randall like and their their banter back and forth and like when they are just talking about like the state of the world and like their position in the world and like kind of quick wit and the sharp intellect that they have in those moments i'm like that is really cool yeah where like today it would probably be like a youtube channel or a tiktok channel where it's just like these th- quick like three minute like you know interplays kind of things but it's like there were moments i'm like oh like kevin smith is tight and you could really see it when and especially seeing it in that cultural context of 1994 you can see like the guy is like sharp and he's thinking about the world in really interesting and critical ways but also not thinking in interesting critical ways in <laughs> other places <laughs> But yeah, but that 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 cultural context is important because I think it highlights how he was kind of I don't want to use words like visionary, but he was clearly like different. He was you yes. know thinking about things differently. He he was very insightful in his viewpoints and the way he kind of comes to his viewpoints is very interesting. I've seen him several times live. Usually it's we view whatever movie is coming out and then he does a QA and Anyone can ask him any anything. He is an open book. He could sit and read the phone book to me and I'd listen. He is such a fantastic storyteller. And like he has stories about Stan Lee and and he's willing to share them and willing to tell them. He has that charisma about him. You feel like it's so authentic and he just wants to be himself, make his movies and just entertain whoever is entertained by them. I I also love how grounded he has stayed into his roots. I mean, so much of him living in Jersey 
And this will probably be one of the few times I'll be positive about the state of New Jersey (laughs) that you could just, the love that he feels for his hometown, it just reaches out and touches you through the screen essentially. But also he's not trying to be anything other than him. You know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they will see a director or see a movie and they try to emulate it so much because they're so inspired by it. He went to what he knew. And I think that is always the key to directors when they're making stories that are the people they know. John Waters does it all the time. He loves Baltimore. Same thing with Kevin Smith and Loving Jersey. Well, and I think there's something to be said where he has his friend group, like they are back for every movie, like he he creates a sense of community around the VSQ universe and they're ready and willing to come back and do anything. Like when he did the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, like it was so meta and these people were now having to play multiple characters within this universe because they had played multiple characters. Like it is the most bizarre take on reboots and he just did it and it was so weird but wonderful and you were just so happy to see everyone back in the same movie i still need to see that i guess <laughs> sorry <laughs> let's talk about the box office i want to talk about the the box office and then i want to talk about just how distribution came about and mm-hmm. he has a very tied in relationship with Miramax pretty much I think every one of his movies to I guess is it been every movie that has been with Miramax or are some of the newer ones has he done any post me too <laughs> he like has. The, the, fall of, yeah. the fall of Harvey Weinstein yeah he has let me so Jackie will look that up I'll talk about budget so initially the budget was almost twenty eight thousand dollars it says two hundred and thirty thousand dollars post so i'm guessing once they got a distributor maybe there was more money but worldwide it made 4.4 million dollars which is interesting i just saw an interview with matt damon not a big fan i don't know why i felt like i had to say that but not a huge fan but he talked about how different making a movie back then is in comparison to now because they had dvd sales and VHS sales to supplement that you didn't have all this pressure that when you released a movie and even an indie movie like being able to make an indie movie you knew maybe you would get some of that money back in DVD and VHS now with streaming you don't have that so if you have like a hundred million dollar budget or even a ten thousand dollar budget you have to make it back in Mm -hmm in the theaters and and it's usually that pressure of the first week so i'm again i'm guessing that this 4.4 million is probably not just box office but probably also dvd sales as well yeah so he starting in 2011 he created his own production company smogcast pictures so from red state on Everything has been released under that. And that's when he started doing, anytime he releases a new movie, he does a tour mm-hmm. and he shows the movie and does a Q&A. And so instead of just, and, and I, the movie typically is in theaters too, but that's how he, he generates most of his revenue is doing these speaking tours, speaking engagements. He's doing it with Clerks 3. 
I am heartbroken. I won't be in town when he's in Austin. So I'll be missing that. But I, I've done Malcolm Ingram has done a fantastic documentary on Kevin Smith. It's called Clerk. And they did a tour together. So that was the last time I saw him live was we watched the documentary and then did the Q&A. So we talked about Richard Linklater later. Mm -hmm. I can't say his name. Slackers was a huge inspiration for the why he wanted to make a film in the first place. So when they when they did the movie premiere, it was at NYC's Angelica Film Center. If you're not a New Yorker, this is like the premier theater that you go to see everything. Like indie, it's a film a film girl guy place to see movies like mm-hmm. you see international movies this is the place you would go to see it so it's premiered there for at the independence feature film market and he was really kevin smith was really upset that the audience was pretty much the whole cast and crew and family so that kind of like knocked the wind out of his sail But there was one film attendee who actually would prove to be very valuable to his success, Bob Hawk. He was in the audience and he saw the potential of the film and he actually was associated with the Sundance Film Festival and sat on the advisory selection committee. And it was his recommendation of the movie to his context that secured it in its place at the festival, which obviously leads us to him getting the movie picked up by Miramax. The story goes like this. A video copy of Clerks actually made its way to Miramax, according to company co-founder Weinstein, watched 10 minutes and decided to pass on it. Some of his staff speculated that because there's like that whole anti-smoking situation Mm -hmm. uh, turned him off by the whole gum company representative (laughs) anti-tobacco tirade that's in the beginning. Younger Miramax staffers, however, enjoyed it and convinced Weinstein to attend its screening at the 94 Sundance Film Festival. And after seeing how well the audience received the movie, Weinstein asked Smith and Moiser to meet him at a restaurant across the street. They sat down and he was like, boy, that's a fucking good movie. Asshole. We're going (laughs) to... We're going to take that movie. We're going to put it in a fucking multiplex, put a fucking soundtrack on it, and fucking kids are going to come see it. This is what Smith recounted to Wired Wired about it. And then he said, and me and Scott were just like, fucking A, man. And that was it. That's how they got with Miramax. I I feel like, like, that's such a, like, the one of the coolest things, because I don't know foreshadowing i'm not going to say very many good things about this movie (laughs) but i think like one of the coolest things about the movie is the story like smith making this like on a shoestring budget that he cobbled together with his own stuff and like making it at the quick stop that he actually worked at like (laughs) after hours when it closed like and then and then the story of like it barely getting into like you know festivals and like and then it and then it becomes view askew and and kevin smith becomes who he is like that's it's really cool so i think that kind of like touchstone moment of like it is such a mid-90s thing and such mm-hmm. a kevin smith thing and like the story of how it all came together i think is one of the really like redeeming things about it like it's actually kind of a cool sort of like 
cultural time capsule in yeah. that way. And so, yeah, all the, all the backstory about how it's made is like, that's pretty rad. Like, it's really kind of a cool, cool part of the story. A hundred percent. And I, I'm sure if you probably asked him which movie out of all of his movies were probably the most meaningful or fun for him to make, even as stressful as it was, I don't know if he will, but I, I kind of feel like Clerks probably is it. He Be- gained 30 pounds in 29 days. In this movie. <laughs> oh my God. In the, I was in the post credits. It said that the film catering was p- provided by quick stop groceries. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You were just nice. eating like hostess nice. cupcakes <laughs> and Gatorade. I, I think it's crazy that they, the motion picture association wanted to give this an NC 17 rating. Like, from just thinking about watching it now and it feels almost damn wholesome in comparison to some of the things we've seen yeah since then so i'm like what what exactly were they trying to give the nc17 for the cursing probably the talk of snowballs but now we we got urban dictionary so yeah (laughs) yeah snowballing was kind of I was like, oh, I forgot about or, this. Or the scene, the scene where Randall's just rattling off like eighteen titles yes. of porn movies. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. that made him uncomfortable. Yeah. The actor, he was afraid yeah. his mom was going to see it, so Kevin Smith had to change a few of the lines of the movies. And the, and he, the little the little girl that he's saying it in front, like she wasn't in the room. Like those are like two separate shots. Like yeah. he's like, I can't say these things in front of this child. <laughs> Oh, Jeff Anderson, such a wholesome soul. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Randall. Honestly, mm-hmm. Randall was my favorite part of this entire movie. Because at this point, Jay and Silent Bob just didn't hit their, like, their stride. Yeah, like I was, I, well, because Jason was so nervous shooting this whole thing. And he, he would only perform in front of like, the DP and Kevin Smith and like one other person, like he wouldn't perform. So I'm sure he got more comfortable with being in front of the camera as movies progressed because we get the Buffalo Bill scene in Clerks too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jay. And he did say his representation that Kevin wrote of Jay was him more at like 13 years old. By this age, when this movie was shot, he had learned kind of who you could joke with, what kind of jokes you could tell in certain audiences and stuff. And he said he pulls down his pants way less at this age than he did at 13. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, let's hop into it. So Dante is sleeping in the closet. When he falls out of the closet, my brain's like, oh, damn, what we doing? <laughs> oh, man, it's been a long time. Yeah, so... Nobody, there's a bed in the room. Yeah. Like, no, who, no, I was like, when I, when I saw that again at, like, 2022, Nick, I was like, all right, ha, uh-huh, no, that's dumb. It's super so weird. Yeah, it's so... it, it didn't make sense. So he gets a phone call from his, the store owner. And the store owner's like, I can't open the store today. I need you to go open, essentially. And this was when we get the, I don't work today. I have hockey at two. All the, the first things. of many whiny, I'm not even <sighs> supposed to be here today. 
Yeah. <laughs> set the tone, like right out the gate. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so the, the owner pr- promises to be there by noon because he has hockey at two. So he agrees to go open the store. He drinks coffee out of a cookie jar head. Is it's it cereal. coffee? Cereal. Is it cereal? Co- okay. I thought it was coffee because I, was high... I thought he put sugar. Oh, maybe it is coffee. It. it was Either a hybrid way, for don't. me because like I never saw any hot water. Okay. <laughs> All I saw was coffee grounds and milk. And I was like, what? So my brain was trying to make sense of it. It's like, that's cereal. But then the other part of my brain was like, nah, bitch, we saw the coffee mix. <laughs> so what is this? And I didn't clock any of that. I just clocked that it was the head of a cookie jar. <laughs> because his room is disgusting. Yes. And so apparently he has no clean dishes and he has to drink his coffee out of the head of a But a later on, jar. we find out that he seems to still live at home. So I'm like, mom what's happening here there's like this whole opening thing is like this weird thing where dante is a complete disaster but also like a great employee like he comes in when he's called like when he they didn't have that he was really upset that they were missing one of their three newspapers and he went and got them from the machine like like he's trying really hard to be a great quick stop employee even though the guy is just a mess i I was like what is happening here it's like the one part of his life he's actually really responsible yeah yeah Maybe showing that juxtaposition because I mean the whole Veronica plot is like her wanting him to better his his lot in life and him just like this is good as it gets. Why try? Like I'm just gonna say it. Almost every actress, every yeah, every actress in this movie, god awful with the acting. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was heavily relying on I, family and friends. I understand. <laughs> but I was like, it almost felt like, and I'm sick of this with you leaving her hand. <laughs> it, it did feel like that. And I think it's like Jeff Anderson, he was pulled in a little later, but I think Brian O'Halloran had a pretty good relationship with Kevin Smith. So probably understood the the feeling and the cadence of the banter that Kevin writes in. Where with the girls, they both came in as actresses. And so probably couldn't get that that rhythm down of like, this is how you say these lines. My because question. there's there's almost like a not an iambic pentameter, but like some sort of like there's a poetry to to how he writes his lines. And here's my question to you, Jackie. After seeing the movies we have seen of Kevin Smith, does Kevin Smith write well for women? Does Kevin Smith hate women? That's my question. <laughs> yes. Does Kevin Smith hate women? That that was I was, so I, was like trying, were, I was trying to say it without attacking. <laughs> No, I want to attack him on this one. I was like, that, that was my I thought think... the whole time watching this movie. Was like, does, does he just either, like, at best, he doesn't understand them, but at worst, yes. he really does hate them. So I think early Kevin Smith did not understand women at all. So can you just draw me a timeline? When, when did he learn? And what movie was it? Hold on, let me pull up his. Because I have yet to see it. 
was I it mean, was it at was it at boo boo kitty fuck is that when, <laughs> <laughs> is that him understanding women um because... look i i do feel like his wife and now his daughter have heavily influenced and he is way more feminism forward because I only I only brought it up because Danielle mentioned like the the acting of the of the women and I was like and actually kind of like going back to the time I think the best performance in this movie is the Chulies gum guy like gives like (laughs) like the actual best acting in this movie but I'm like I don't know if I want to like blame the women actresses because they had shit to work like they're like their characters are terrible and the dialogue they have is terrible and it's like I like if I was a I'm not a woman but if I was a woman acting in that role I'd be like this is awful like I don't want to do this I don't want to this is this sucks this sucks I just think that in that time period though and we're still working on this those that is pretty much you look around those are the roles that have been given to women for so long like the girlfriend role just like an extension or like something to lift the guy in some way a prop even because like i kind of i wonder you mentioned earlier like that like randall is like your boy like randall is is the hero right because i was thinking a lot i think my biggest gripe and it kind of gets we're i'm skipping ahead a little bit no jackie's gonna be really mad Um, (laughs) (laughs) but like like i think the in re-watching this movie because again this movie was really important to me as a kid like it was only like 20 minutes in when we get that first scene with Dante and Veronica where all of a sudden like my just my stomach sank and I'm just like oh no <laughs> um, because like if you look at the men in this movie like you have Jay and Silent Bob who are obviously like just comedic relief like right. they are like Jay is a clown and Bob Bob is just there to make Jay look even more ridiculous and Jay does some super problematic shit but you're not supposed yeah. to take him seriously right except so- when they give those like very big moments of clarity out of nowhere mm-hmm. yeah but then even then like there's still a joke yeah. yeah yeah like jay says something and then calls somebody a cock smoking faggot or something like that it's yeah. Like, yeah damn it you were so close jay. yeah it's just but, so like, close you're so close but like you're not supposed to want to relate to jay right mm-hmm. like you're not supposed to want to be jay clearly and like randall is also like the voice of wisdom he's the sharp one he's the funny one but he also crosses moral lines pretty clearly where it's like to the point where it's like He's the sidekick. Like, he's cool. We like Randall, but we don't want to actually be Randall, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't want to empathize with Randall. Right. But, like, so, like, Dante is supposed to be the one that, like, so I'm speaking as, like, the 16-year-old me that watched this movie. It was like, Dante is empathetic, right? Like, Dante's the good guy. Dante's the one we want to be like. Dante is just having a bad day, right? Like, and as, like, a 16-year-old, like, hetero white dude, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I'm a good guy and like Dante's a good guy and like and then like watching this movie I'm like no Dante is the worst (laughs) Dante is the villain Dante is a terrible human being (laughs) yeah especially especially the way he talks to Veronica where I'm like oh my god you're horrible like you're just like you're just you're just terrible you're an idiot and you're mean and like how are I just I was just I felt so sick like I was like I thought Dante was the good guy. And I think, and I think the problem is, and kind of going back to like, like what we learn about, like, you know, like female roles and going through is like, I think there's like a lesson to be learned about masculinity here. Mm -hmm. In that time, I think like we, I don't know if anybody really saw Dante as a villain. I don't think Dante was written to be a villain. I think Dante was written to be like the average guy 
that was Dante relatable. was written to be Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Every one of these directors, especially if they write their pieces, a lot of them write themselves. If you look at Joss Whedon, if you go and watch Buffy again, you know Xander is 100% Joss writing himself into that. And I feel like that is very much what happens because these two archetypes that we see in this movie are repeated over and over again in other Kevin Smith movies. When we get to Mallrats, it's these two characters mm-hmm. in two different characters all over again. You have the wise cracking, give it to me straight, just the guy who says what he's not supposed to say, but is probably actually a little bit better because he's just saying it. He's not trying to sprinkle, I'm the nice guy on top of it right like the repressing of the disgusting thoughts he's just saying it and then you have the like cookie cutter supposedly nice guy who thinks that he said if he says and does everything that he wants that he will then get the girl to do what he wants them to do because essentially these women are objects and not really full-blown human beings with you know problems and or who could be just as jackassy as a guy like put on a pedestal whatever the thought of like what women's roles are in men's lives that that's how I looked at it yeah and I I I just got so frustrated at kind of like the the glamorization of like mediocre masculinity which I think is just like plaguing our culture for decades right and it just I never saw it so blatantly than when I watched clerks again not as a 16 year old dude like how, like how how do you feel rewatching friends with ross supposedly being the good guy or how how i met your mother with ted ted is like how did we not see those landmines and yeah. these were supposed to be the protagonists of these shows so i think if yeah. we go back to much of our media from back then of what is supposed to be the nice guy they're all horrible yeah and i think like with with things like like friends and how i met your mother is i think because we get such like a longer storyline like there's they're flawed but they're at least there's some complexity there but they're not good right they're not (laughs) they're not like they're not meant to be on a pedestal but at least there's ebbs and flows and ups and downs and like i was like struggling to find anything redeeming about dante in this movie and it really like it hurt i was like oh man and then just like, and the way, I, 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 we'll, we'll get there, but like the way that Veronica and, and Caitlin are just like, I'm like, why are you fighting over this guy? This yeah. Guy, and not just because he like works at the quick stop and it's like, not because he's like mediocre in his social class status. He's mediocre in his like thoughts about people. And, <laughs> like, just... and his looks, the way he dresses, mm-hmm. what he can't thinks romance. House. <laughs> can't, can't clean his idea of what romance is, his idea and you know what? And you take all those things. I know he ain't shit in bed. I think he thinks <laughs> that he just pokes it in the hole and that's it. There's nothing else. I bet he doesn't even go down on his girlfriends. He sucks. Oh, 100% he doesn't. He, no, no, 100% no. Which is like that whole conversation. Like, it's about, you know, oh, because pleasing a man is easy. And it's like, well, then go do it yourself, Dante. Right. Like, Go die like Randall's cousin, cousin. or whatever. <laughs> Try to give himself a blowjob. and kevin smith he loosely based this on dante's inferno right obviously even with the he doesn't bury the lead 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 character's name is dante and so there's more than nine of them but he does segment the story into different sections with like 
title cards. And it's very, it feels very silent movie in those moments. So the first one is vilification. And that's speaking ill of someone. At this point, Dante is already at the quick stop. Someone has jammed gum in the lock. So he has to create this banner out of shoe polish that says, I assure you we are open behind me. And so he is open for business. Video store is supposed to open at 11 and Randall hasn't shown up yet. So he has this guy come in, buy a cup of coffee. The guy asks, can I drink it here? Which is an odd thing because like who hangs out inside the convenience shop? (laughs) So already sus. And so a kid comes in to buy cigarettes and this guy is actually from we find out later, Chuli's gum. And so he's trying to convince people with a blackened lung in his bag and photos and a trach ring to not buy cigarettes, but to buy gum instead. It reminded me of my times as a member of Teens Against Tobacco Use. And again, the president of Student Tobacco Reform Knowledge for Eternity. The eternity gets me every time. <laughs> is that a real thing or are you just making it up? Is it... <laughs> it is 100% real. Yeah. And it was wow. disbanded shortly after she became president. So she is still in her mind, the I current president. president of strike. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do you do you go to convenience stores and start rallying people to throw cigarettes at every <laughs> every cashiers? Every chance I get. Go get him. <laughs> uh, at one point, he causes a riot. All of these convenience store customers are pelting Dante with cigarette packs. And then... Um, Cancer merchant. <laughs> <laughs> and they're sprayed with a fire extinguisher. Super unhealthy, by the way. It's um, just a waste. <laughs> they're going to have a fire and they won't have shit to burn it out. I mean, and well, that shit's expensive. Out, but, you know, put it out. <laughs> and- and my firefighter friend says that that actually causes cancer. So <laughs> <laughs> ironically, Veronica is making people sick. I just fire. feel like, <laughs> I guess it was like a great way for Veronica to have an entrance. Cause yeah. you're like, who this? Cause she's already in that introduction scene. She's already pegged as the savior. She yeah. comes in she asks the guy for his credentials. He's from Truly's Gum. She outs him, tells him to get the fuck out. One kind of disperses. And yeah, then... Dante's a punk-ass bitch. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Not just how he treats his girlfriend, but like he doesn't really stick up no. for himself or in a way that makes people back down. Everybody's trying Dante every second they get. Mm-hmm. Every ch- Every time. When the dude asked for the porno mag to go sit in the employee bathroom, I was like, tell him no. (laughs) No, you can't have this. Are you going to pay for it? (laughs) No, I don't. It would have been before that. When he came back to ask for the soft toilet paper essay, that would have been it. Like, I was nice enough when you begged to go to the bathroom, but that was it. But I think like getting back on my soapbox (laughs) what please do how how dante is part of the problem of masculinity is i think like that's kind of what to me at least i can just speak for myself now is like what made dante so relatable is like i was also that guy that was like 
that wanted to say yes. Like I wanted to help people. I wanted to please people. I wanted to give people what they wanted. I would always say yes. You were a punk ass bitch like Dante, Nick? Yes. No. no. Yeah. I would just like, I would just like want to say yes. I'd just be like, let me help you. Whatever you need. Yes, I'll come in. Yes, I'll cover your shift. Yes, you can have that. Yes, you could take that. Yes. Yes. So so are you a Hufflepuff? Probably. (laughs) It's okay. Danielle's a Hufflepuff. And I'm not a punk ass bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But like that's So you want to take care of people. I do. And it's and it's that element of Dante that like makes him I want to say makes him empathetic or makes him sympathetic is because he's just trying to be nice. He's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. It <sighs> just is not conveyed. Nick, you were and will never be anything like Dante. Ever. <laughs> Except in this one quality where we're both a punk ass bitch, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not a punk ass bitch. You're just trying to be nice in a authentic way i don't know if dante trying to be nice was always authentic no i think it was just trying to pacify people a lot of the time yeah laziness mm-hmm. more than anything is it's what... easier to say yes than to fight somebody yes. exactly yes there's a sign on the counter that says make your own change type thing <laughs> and dante and veronica are sitting on the floor behind the counter and they're talking and this is when Veronica is like, I wish you'd go back to school. And she's trying to be very encouraging him, uh, encouraging to him. And he, he's painting her nails, which we she, see again. She transferred schools. Yes. To be with this guy. What the fuck? <laughs> Anyways, okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and then this is when they have the climax discussion where he rants on and on about how it, men are easy and women are more difficult to please PSA women we I look at our stats we do have some younger ladies that listen to our show thank you I'm just as your older sister here do not fall into the trap when a man tries to ask you how many men you have slept with Mm -hmm. or done anything with none of their business the questions they should be asking is have you been protecting yourself? Are you going to make sure that you're healthy down there for yourself, for your own well-being? Not to prove anything, but if you're going to have a sexual partner, you want to make sure that everything's good. But in no way, in no way are you at all respond Like, there's no reason that you need to tell them what you've been doing. Because that's the past. It's about you and that person right now. And don't fall in the trap of trying to ask them how many people they saw. You don't want to know, baby girl. You don't want to know. Okay. (laughs) So there is a conversation with Dante and Veronica where they discuss how many people they have slept with. Dante, I think he says 12. Veronica says three. And then (laughs) women do be math in that we don't count the other stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Because you said sex. So I'm thinking like legit just penetration yes not the other things that's none of your business that's playtime that's nothing (laughs) so they stand up and willem is standing there staring at nothing like he's a complete (laughs) moron i knew so many willems like thrown up (laughs) like i like like willem's character i'm like oh i i know like i hung out like three willems that are just like total space cadets just kind of like what's up oh (laughs) 
Oh my god, hey, you're here. <laughs> Whoa. Wow, it's you. I'm like, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. Was he high or is that just his I whole... think he's just kind of like <sighs> here I am. <laughs> and, and here you are. <laughs> so Willem buys whatever he's buying. He leaves. This is like where Kevin Smith does not understand women, women at like, all. Veronica just volunteers this information. Yes. Just, oh, hey, this guy likes to snowball. I know There's because I did that. Like, no, no fucking no. way. The reason that shit goes to the grave. Unprompted. <laughs> no, just like, hey, here you go. Because that whole idea that men cheat astronomically more than women do, I don't think it's true. The difference is women don't they don't tell them themselves okay we're better and it's not just because we're wanting to deceive it's because it's like life or death for us over the years of just anything so we've learned to be very strategic on the information that we give about the things that we do also because we get judged so heavily on being sexual or anything Mm -hmm. like that so there's no fucking way she's telling him her boyfriend that she snowballed that guy yeah there's no way no way and she's sucked 37 dicks fuck no so so two things two things really quick number one is like the whole thing is just this like just this painfully obvious like this conversation would never happen (laughs) but but it sets up the whole thing is just to set up what is i think like still actually i laughed out loud at the joke of like my girlfriend sucked 36 dicks in a row that was funny. One but... of the only times I laughed out loud during this movie. <laughs> but the other thing, like, this is again where Dante sucks. Like, he gets legit, like, angry. Like, yeah. he's screaming at her in the quick stop There's because no, she no is fucking giving way. this up. Dante like, is calling her a whore and a slut. Like, he's slut shaming her for having a sex life uh, prior to him. And yes. she's like, I have been nothing but faithful to you. You have been the last. I have not cheated on you at all, so I don't know why this matters. And it just it he matters. Gets loud. He does. Ah, um, I'd have punched him right in the throat. <laughs> so while this is going on, it's now eleven twenty. Randall finally shows up to open <laughs> up the video store. <laughs> Can I tell this story? Yes, it makes please. me laugh so much. <laughs> I I loved fucking with customers and I loved what he did here. So there's a lady. So there's a guy that comes into the store earlier to see Dante. That whole he he messes with that customer who's waiting to to drop off a tape mm-hmm. because Randall has not shown up and he leaves his keys. So Randall actually misses that guy too. Like the guy's like, "Have you seen my keys?" But then there's another lady waiting to get into the store because there's a movie that she's got to get. And so Randall pretends he's waiting outside the store too. And <laughs> he like comes up to her. It's like, Oh, what's going on? She's like, Oh, they haven't opened yet. And blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm going to get this movie. And he's like, Oh yeah. 20 I bet, bucks. <laughs> I bet, I bet you're not going to get that movie. You, she's like, I am, I'm going to, I'm going to get that movie. I'm the first one here. And he's like, I bet you 20 bucks. You're not going to get that movie. And she's like, no problem deal bet 
Bet, yes. <laughs> he goes into the store to go get the keys or whatever. And this asshole comes back and <laughs> fucking opens the door to the video store and then like lets her in. And her face just looks like she's like, I fucking, I hate you. But I kind of feel good. The way he shakes the door, like when he just walks, like, it's not open yet. But what I don't understand is like this seems like a very small neighborhood. So how does she not know that this is the guy that works at the video store? But it's still fucking hilarious. Yeah. And in this moment, I remember that oh, this was the reason I actually didn't mind this movie was because of Randall. Yeah. The next segment is titled Syntax, which are the way words are assembled into bigger constructions. And we start finding out more about or Dante's past. He has an ex-girlfriend, Caitlin, who cheated on him at every chance she got. And he's been talking to her on the phone, unbeknownst to Veronica. And so already shady shit. And he's convinced she's a different person now. Well, Randall is reading the newspaper because Randall really comes and goes from the video store when he pleases. (laughs) He just locks up, wanders over to the convenience store, then wanders back. And so Randall reads in the paper that Caitlin is engaged to to an Asian design design major. (laughs) And so at first I was like, is he Asian? and a design major or is he an Asian design major <laughs> riddle me this that's actually answered later yes, it, is? it is okay yeah. because because they do they do a cheap gag on the guy's last name yeah later oh I must miss that fell asleep you didn't miss anything it's fine <laughs> <laughs> and he so is Asian. he oh, is Asian okay because okay. his name is Sang <laughs> yeah got it yeah um and so now Dante is spinning. And so Randall's like, well, my job here is done. And I'm going back to the video store. This is when the mom is requesting Happy Scrappy Hero Pup for her daughter. <laughs> and he's on the phone placing an order for new videos. And he rattles off the worst porn titles ever just very explicit what is going to happen in these movies and then at the end he's like oh and happy scrappy hero pup (laughs) he asked like oh and what was that one you want (laughs) nick did did hollywood video have porn no okay so they were like blockbuster yeah 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 much to the chagrin of uh of a lot of our customers yeah (laughs) I remember, so before we started going to Blockbuster, when I still lived in Fremont, we went to Cone's video and it had a bronze statue of a Pegasus outside and Heather and I were just like obsessed with that statue. Because it reminded you of My Little Pony. No, we just like thought it was the most extravagant thing ever. And Cone's was literally like in a strip mall, like it was nothing fancy. (laughs) And they had a porn section. I vividly remember. (laughs) I remember growing up renting movies at the warehouse and the warehouse had like a corner that was just like, it was just like black, like 
curtains yeah like like on one corner and it was, I was like what's back there and my parents like you don't need to go back there <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, where, that's where the porn was yeah <laughs> and then later on as I was older I was like oh oh that's why we didn't go in the- stoner chicks we're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed I'm Grace Penzel I'm Kayla Teal I'm Stephanie Thompson I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd. So subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. (laughs) So Dante is frantically calling the newspaper asking if it's a mistake that they've printed this engagement announcement. Meanwhile, they have a cat that resides at the Quick Mart. I don't think this would pass most like state laws on like animals living in. And then I had the thought, do they have that cat because they have like a rat problem? So just some insight. As a New Yorker, it is a staple at most of our corner stores, bodegas. There's always a cat. And it's probably because of the rats, mice situation. But there's always a cat. Sometimes they get a little out of hand. If I see like two or three cats, I, I don't I don't think that's necessary. And they're <laughs> all over the fucking counters. But you know what? I'm still probably gonna order that sandwich because it's damn good. <laughs> you turn into Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. I, I do. <laughs> Cause that bacon, egg, and cheese in the morning, it's essential. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a, a normal thing to have to Okay. Dante for some reason, has put the litter box on the checkout counter, something that I would hope would never happen. Well, again, (laughs) (laughs) I've seen some things in New York. So yeah, New Jersey's just a spit away. (laughs) So the cat's literally like taking a shit in the litter box and there's just a customer standing there while Dante's ranting on the phone to the newspaper And then this is when we meet Olaf outside with Jay and Silent Bob. Before we get to Olaf, so they had to set that, like Kevin Smith had to set that cat up to be able to get that scene like like that. They purposely didn't like let the cat, they didn't put the cat box out for a while to purposely put it right there so the cat would come and defecate on demand and the the cat is in the credits and the cat's name is lennon's tomb (laughs) well kevin smith (laughs) joked that that's why the human they didn't get the seal of approval from the humane society Uh, (laughs) sorry continue (laughs) olaf olaf Olaf, berserker (laughs) what is this scene okay so apparently it was something that had happened while they were hanging out in their youth. They were in JCPenney and a mannequin had a weird wig. And so Walt Flanagan took the wig off, put it on, but it was backwards. So the hair was like standing up all over the place. And he started, and they were like, go convince like those girls at Hot Topic or whatever, that you're an aspiring Russian heavy metal singer. And so that's where this character was born. 
I don't know much about Olaf, but I do know that Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans is a fantastic <laughs> name for a band. Like, that is a good band name. <laughs> and I just, I had to do a quick Google search, and I there's a lot of songs called Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans, but I don't think there's a band. <laughs> there's a band? Your, I don't That's think That's a great so. podcast name. Oh, yeah. Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans. Yeah, Missed opportunity, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you all watch that TikTok, the dude that does the good band name, bad band name? No, not on. Oh, that it's side it, of that's literally the just literally the whole show is he just like rattles off the names of bands and he says he just, is it a good name or band name? But I'm like I want him to, I want to know what he thinks because I think fuck your Yankee Blue Jeans, good band name. You, you should name. message him. That I was should. Yeah. <laughs> so now yes, and then the this is where we get the the song Berserker. <laughs> This this definitely went over my head the first time I saw it when I was younger and again as I was older because I was like, I don't know what this shit is. It, just, it is it is what it is. Like I'm like, me and my friends would just sing it, just all just like roll it in the car and just like, you know, like my love for you is like a tr-. and it's just it's just funny. Berserker. Would you like some making fucking Berserker? Berserker. It's just it, there's nothing to get, I don't think. I think it's just funny. <laughs> I mean, it's the same reason we sang 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. Like, it's just a catchy Kevin Smith thing that happens. When you say we, you mean you and Nick. And Heather. And... Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's not <me>. Marky. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> So now back inside, Randall has locked up the video store again, and we have this whole discussion, which is kind of insightful about the Star Wars Death Star, Death Star 2.0 conversation. And he's just like, most of the people that got blown up on the second Death Star were independent contractors. Like they, (laughs) they didn't do anything wrong. So... I love that, like, in media, when you think about it, because, like, it was deemed not to be cool to like Star Wars when it Mm -hmm. first, like, came out. And so there's, like, this huge group of kids that grew up in that time when that movie came out, and they didn't have the internet, right? So, like, they would have maybe conversations with their friends or whatever, but it wasn't until they started getting old enough to to make movies and they can have like these tidbits in media where they can kind of like talk about these things I think of Patton Oswalt I think is his mm-hmm. name when he's on Parks and Rec and he does like that whole filibuster when he's talking about how you could, he talks about Boba Fett he talks about how you could tie the MCU to Star Wars and all that stuff but like before the internet, those are the only things that we would have to to be able to have those conversations. And now you think about it and people are having full discourses on just like a subject like this. And this was kind of like a, a little blip before it grew into this like huge universe, which is really amazing when you think about it. So I was actually excited. This is probably the only part in the movie I was like excited about. I was like, tell me more. <laughs> tell and me is- about these casualties of war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it is one of the moments, like, there's been a couple now where Kevin Smith writing this, like, Dante Randall, like, you know, banter, where it's like, 
slick. It's the pacing yeah. and the dialogue and yeah. the thought. This is, it's funny and insightful and just kind of like, it's clever. Except for the moment where the contractor enters the conversation and just like, actually, let me tell you about personal politics in <laughs> like this contract work. And then Randall says, baby face Bambino, the gangster. And I'm like, get the with the acting and the like, get the fuck out of yeah. here with that. I just think it just is evident that the chemistry that really just stands out is between these two characters of yeah. Randall and Dante. If we yeah. didn't have them, I don't know what we were getting. Yeah. So now we have another title. It's Vagary, which means a whim. And Randall's back at the video store. And this lady is like, recommend these movies. And it's hilarious because Danielle and I just did a game where it was employee recommendations. And I gave her scenarios of different types of customers. And we had to recommend movies. And this was so in line with what Danielle's response would actually be. Which is like, I don't know, I haven't seen them. (laughs) And then uh, she like tries to trick him and like, what about these two? I don't, I don't appreciate your ruse, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Randall becomes like a customer service hero. Cause like yes. how many times like in, oh God. Okay. So one more quick story about Hollywood video. Like the guy who did not get arrested is our dude, Don. I remember he pulled this one thing where a woman was like, she was like in her thirties, but her like mom who was like 60 had an account. And so she wanted to get her mom's like senior discount on the video rentals, but Dawn didn't do it. So she came back like an hour later and was like, you know, excuse me, you rung me up earlier and I asked for the senior discount and you didn't get it. And Dawn, like without even like stopping moving, like he was like walking by and he was like, Oh, yeah, okay. And he just, like, pulled, like, a handful of loose change out of his pocket and just handed, like, just put it in her hand. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, no, like, I'm sorry. Let me look at that. Let me explain. He was just like, you want 65 cents? Here, just take it. That is some Daniel Clark-level shit right there. Oh, man. Ain't nobody got time with this nonsense. You wasted your gas. 65 cents in gas coming back here asking for your senior discount, ma'am. Your mom's senior discount. Yeah. Yeah. But But, like our manager would literally say to Don, just like, if anybody complains, Don, I'm going to have to fire you. Like, cause he he would pull that kind of shit all the time. Just like Randall. Just like if anybody were to complain about Randall, like he's going to get fired, but who's going to complain? Like this one's going to complain. Yeah. This lady storms out and then he runs and yells after her, you're not allowed to rent here anymore. And you yeah. just hear Jay in the background just like, yeah. <laughs> Jay forever the hype man. But when you look at Randall's character, I try really hard to think back in movies that came before this of a character that felt similar to him. Because in pop culture, especially on TV, I see so many characters that are maybe built off the archetype the creation of randall Mm -hmm. the sarcastic i'm only giving a six twenty percent of my energy into this work just like an asshole but kind of cool in the same way like so many characters have this whole persona but i can't really think of anything before him can you guys 
nothing that comes to mind or i think of like john hughes coming of age tale kind of things but they're usually not meant to be that like that's just who they are it's like they start that and then they evolve into the nicer kinder gentler because i'm thinking of like jeff from community even nick from new girl Mm -hmm. uh just a lot of especially sitcoms i feel like there or even Ryan Reynolds like what he's built his entire career mm-hmm. on feels very Randall-esque in yeah. some ways and I don't know if I can think of anything that came before listeners if you guys can think of a character that is similar in that way or that Randall was the next you know evolution of but if not then a lot of credit goes to this movie for kind of building that I don't yeah. care effort especially in the workplace comedies that we started to see when the office came out and like building on that yeah so i'm gonna speed through the next little bit we get introduced to the egg guy who has to find the perfect carton of egg weird egg guy and milkmaid who has to find the latest expiration date on the milk those are both actual experiences kevin smith had working at the quick mart (laughs) the milkmaid is played by his mom and Eggman is played by Walt Flanagan. Then we get Purgation, which is ridding of sin. And this is where Randall, not paying attention, sells a four-year-old cigarettes. Question mark. That comes back later. The cigarette thing, this is like, yes, he should have never sold her cigarettes. But should the question not be, who the fuck let the four-year-old go into the quick mart by themselves and with enough time to try to buy cigarettes? I feel like it was a sting operation. Was it not parental neglect? It was sting operation. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. That's just yeah. way beyond what I could have meant. A four-year-old and like, by and themselves? There was no dialogue. Like she just yeah. put money on the counter and he put cigarettes down on the counter. Like and she just <laughs> walked away with the cigarettes. Like did what? Nobody. I, it was just weird. Yeah. How did she it, even it was, reach? How did she reach the counter? Where did she get that money from? See, two. <laughs> my my four year old. My four year old has an allowance. Oh okay. Okay. Well. And she uses it to buy candy and stuff. But I am there with her every <laughs> right. single time you're just not just... sending her into the convenience store <laughs> no and no. and later when he gets fined why does it go to him individually that should have been he something can... the store owner would have been like what the hell yeah yeah and then saying that you don't have a right to fight it in court that sounds unconstitutional to me <laughs> I wish my my experience with the law gave me any insight into this about how this Sorry, I started Sadly thinking, I know it's just like a plot device, but I was like, this don't make any sense. I have questions. All right, sorry, go ahead. Okay. It's not, anyway, so. It's not even a plot device. It was just no. like one more log on the fire of why Dante should be mad at Randall. Like it wasn't even yeah. necessary. True. Weird. Anyways. So not necess- necessary. We get the jizz mopper conversation. <laughs> then Randall shows him just a full-on vagina. Did, I must have been in the kitchen <laughs> getting my chicken when this part happened. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't like, it's just, this it, is where this movie was so weird and that there are some moments where I'm like, dude, Kevin Smith is smart and brilliant and a really cool filmmaker, but also like, 
why? 12 years old. Like, why are you doing this? Like, the yeah. cheap gags for no reason, other than you think it's funny. Yeah, I think a lot of white cis humor, especially in this time period, was, and still continues to be in some ways, when you're having to make fun of marginalized groups and things that marginalized groups do or their identities to make it funny for you should give you like a sense that something's not right. That shows like on a hierarchy, how far removed and how that if that's all you have to make fun of. It's more funny to punch up, but as a white cis male, you don't have anything to punch up at. So Yeah. And you don't have the creativity to make fun of something that is maybe relatable, but yeah. to make fun of other people and their positions in which the system has put them in there, a system that you benefit from, I don't get that. That yeah. never sits right with me. I don't understand it. Yeah. And it feels like extra problematic coming from somebody like Kevin Smith, who is so creative and thoughtful in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. Right. That like to see him, and I think it's because like it is just so normalized. Like it is so, and especially again, like at the time, but again, echoing today, like it is just so normal that like we kind of overlook, or at least especially I did when I was, you know, yeah. 16 years old watching a Kevin Smith film. I just kind of overlooked all of this and saw only the really smart clever genius stuff because it was just normal it wasn't anything to look at it was just yeah at worst it was just kind of filler and at best it was really funny but like looking at it now I'm like it is not funny and (laughs) should not be that you could fill your time with other things that actually move the plot along or develop your characters exactly Um, yeah and there's so there's like there's a bunch of these that I'm just like right it just didn't make any sense and what really cracks me up is that to call it out now that it's not great and people get mad or like you can't take a joke actually I'm quite humorous and I can take a joke that's just not funny to me yeah Yeah. you know like it's not funny to most people right am I gonna go make fun of people who are disabled and think that's hilarious like no that what make it make it make sense it's not right it's weird it's actually just very cringe when you think about it yeah i'm glad he's expanding his horizons Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm glad that maybe people are learning that mediocre just doesn't cut it anymore Mm -hmm. veronica has not yet learned that because she comes back she comes back with a lasagna (laughs) yeah she does (laughs) Um, so veronica knew that dante was not going to be off by 12 as he was promised Brings him a whole ass lasagna for lunch. I have to love you a whole lot to make you a lasagna. I have to love you a whole lot to make you a piece of sliced bread. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing Dante says is try not to suck any dick on your way through the parking lot. Yeah. The next interaction they have is here's a lasagna. What the fuck? Uh, he would have had burn marks because the lasagna would have been thrown at him scorching hot yeah but they do they do make up randall is behind them yelling 37 and making slurping noises the whole time is randall in love with dante i think there's a conversation about that if i'm not mistaken in clerks too 
I think someone kind of calls him out on that. And it's almost like in the way that like Jay and Kevin Smith have been like hetero life mates forever. It's kind of put in that context. Like any woman is a threat to their relationship because they'll be taking Dante away from Randall. And Randall's threatened by that. So malaise, a vague feeling of depression. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't do segues. Great (laughs) transitions, I tell you. Now we get a phone call from the owner. He's in Vermont for the weekend. Good luck with the store. Who is this owner? I would have burned that fucking place to the ground or just just left it without locking it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like Like, he's the one that's going to feel the repercussions. He's not going to make money all weekend because this is a Friday. So, like, he's not going to be back till Tuesday? You didn't plan for that shit? That was, like, real shady business. And, of course, Dante... Dante, Dante's trying to please everybody. He's saying yes. He's going to do it. I'm stuck here all day. I guess I'm not playing hockey. And so he calls to let his friends know he's not going to be able to play hockey. He's like, wait, do we have to play at the park? So all of his friends show up. And Randall says do we need to block off the street? How are we going to do this? And Dante is like, nope, we're playing on the roof. So now he's just breaking all the rules. Mm. Closes the shop, leaves a note that they'll be back at the end of the first <laughs> quarter. <laughs> Which by the way, like speaking of how important this movie was to my friends, like anytime we got into a disagreement, we called each other a shoe polish smelling motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like just like the band is like making a set list and like somebody's like you know oh we got to play this song next but, like what are you thinking you shoe polish mother motherfucker we got to play that last like, <laughs> just, it just became part of our lexicon <laughs> shoe polish mother motherfucker i was just like there's not a marker in this door at all <laughs> no you gotta use shoe polish I did legitimately enjoy the running gag, though. Like, I tried. I did. I tried to like keep a tally of like how many times somebody says shoe polish or how many times somebody says you open. But I didn't want to watch the movie a second time, so I gave. Yeah. Up. <laughs> but it's funny to me. Like every time somebody brings up shoe polish, like that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing on the roof, and a customer's upset. He can't get his cigarette, so he climbs the ladder and starts yelling. Dante engages him in this argument and then challenges him to play with them. There's a great line in that argument, like, who are you to make assessments? Like, I'll assess all I want, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know why he gets into play. It it doesn't make any sense. Then the guy gets mad and kicks the ball out, like hits the ball out on purpose so that he can come open the goddamn store. What did you and think no was going to happen, Dante? Right. And no one else has balls. And so he yells down to Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> you got any balls down there? <laughs> About the biggest pair you ever seen, Dan. I, I could just see I could just see Kevin Smith like typing along and he's like, ooh, I think there's another balls joke I can do. <laughs> <laughs> like, can't be talking about hockey. But they're not playing with a the puck. They're playing essentially slap ball. Remember when hockey. roller hockey was a thing? Oh, like, yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, One man, so Easter. Funny. Easter. <laughs> after we first moved to Florida, mom bought us Easter baskets and they had hockey sticks and the balls in them so that we could go play with the neighborhood kids. There was like an empty parking lot across the way. And so we used to play pickup roller hockey all the time. Nice. 
Good times, yeah. the 90s. What Good a time times. to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> we, 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 got, we got sexist, homophobic, trans jokes and roller hockey. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. So now we're at Harbinger, the signal of things to come. This is where we meet the old man who is incontinent and needs to use the employee restroom. Dante begrudgingly says yes. And then the man comes back and is like, well, what kind of toilet paper you got in there? My hemorrhoids don't like the rough stuff. And he's like, I'm going to bust my, he said something about, I was like, oh, and I guess uh... I'm the damn hemorrhoids after that. I was like, this ain't right. <laughs> This is too much information. And as if that wasn't enough. <laughs> Look, when we were at Blockbuster, we always said that the damn toilet was out of order. Always. Yep. Because no one wanted to clean that shit at the end yeah. of the night. And people will do the most disgusting things in a public bathroom. And sometimes, like you knew somebody had done something because even though the door is closed, you would pass by and you would smell something. And you're mm-hmm. like, it's going to smell up the whole goddamn store now. Who let someone in the bathroom? Where's the key? Who and I did, I did a lot of like the chores at the you store. You let but Mike... I, I never did the bathroom. I think that was like your line in the sand. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not... I can't and I won't. That's like why when that kid sharted in the store yeah. and Mike had the nerve to try to tell me to go to Publix and I looked at him and I just laughed because you know you can't manage me. There's no way. that is, I told him, I said, that's above my pay grade. That sounds like manager work to me. We did have a kid. He was a very sweet kid. He had some developmental disabilities and he was a regular. He would come and rent the games he, all the time. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that I'm in no way really trying to make fun of this child. We all knew his situation. His mom loved us because we were always mm-hmm. so we took Fine care of him, him essentially yeah. because we knew he was he had a game pass. He was gonna come in, we and she would routine. send him in by himself. by himself. It was like yeah. one of those things that he would do on his own, and she knew that we would take care of him. And help him. So one day, because the routine was he would come in and he would ask for the same fucking game. And probably knowing this, we should have worked hard to get the game he kept asking for. But we never had it at our store. But it was the routine. He would ask for the game. We would pretend to look it up, knowing damn well we didn't have this game. And say, sorry, bud, we don't have. Sometimes he'd even make us check the box. No problem. For him, we'd do it. Then And it was early Saturday. He went to go look for his game, normal procedure. And then we started like check, you know, putting DVDs away, cleaning out the box. And then it like dawned on me that we hadn't seen him come back to the register yet. And then he just like left without getting anything which never happens he always gets a movie he just left and i was like it's fucking weird (sighs) me and my nancy drew ass said (laughs) let me go see what happened like something told me that maybe something happened whatever but as i'm approaching the game section 
I'm seeing stuff on the floor. Well, Hershey's Kisses. Yeah. And so I progress to the game aisle. Not, and this is what I believe happened. I believe he went to fart, but ended up lost. <laughs> ended up sharding. And, and I think he went to like, look, I'm just gonna be a hundred. Everyone's had this moment where you feel like, did I shit myself? And then maybe you go and you reach around to see what's going on. And he did that, I believe. And then he went like this. And panicked. Got, got super nervous. Yeah. And then said, I gotta get this shit off my hand. Literally. And wiped it across multiple, multiple games. And dipped out. I was flabbergasted. Just, uh, just what the fuck? So I said, Mike, Mike, <laughs> this kid fucking shit in the middle of the game section. Danielle was not subtle at <laughs> all. There's shit in the game section, Mike. All over this shit. I ain't cleaning it up. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that. You do not uh, pay me enough, Blockbuster, to clean up this shit. And uh, so he tried to tell me to go to Publix. I said, I got to register. You could take your ass to Publix. And and I was like, make sure you get some disinfectant and some bleach. Because like, and after that, I was like bringing gloves into work because I wasn't cleaning the box. I didn't know which, I didn't touch games for a long time after that. Because and we're not eating like, any chocolate covered pretzels. No, no. <laughs> absolutely not. And that's probably my best blockbuster story ever. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, he came back the next week. Acted. Look, we all acted like nothing right. happened. Yeah. Because so we, we weren't going to bring it up. Yeah. We've all been there. We well. <laughs> maybe not in public and maybe not wiping it on stuff yeah. but we've all had that panic all, of, what do I do now we've had moments <laughs> yeah. we've had embarrassing things happen yeah. and we weren't going to hold him to that so we went back to our routine he asked it had to be one of those damn I think it was a racing game yes the Grand Torino ones I think yeah. it was one of those Turismo <laughs> Turismo whatever I fucking know Grand Torino is a Clint Eastwood movie didn't <laughs> I was close to her cars in it. Shit. <laughs> Give me a break. You did good. You did good. Okay, where are we now? <laughs> Har- Har- Harbinger. So the guys in Harbinger. the bathroom forever. Yes. Guys in yeah. the bathroom forever. Randall comes in and distracts Dante. Oh, the guy has also asked for a nudie mag to keep yeah. to ring. <laughs> and he um, says, like, he doesn't want just anyone. He wants the one in the plastic. Because you know that's the good one. The one that's in the plastic that, like, covered up the front. Because you know yeah. it's real nasty when yeah. it's covered. Yeah. That's yeah. the one he wanted. And so, Dante, of course, says yes. Of course. Yes. So Randall flies in. Julie Dwyer has died. She had an embolism swimming lapse. We find out in Mallrats what spurred her to do all of these laps at the swimming pool. And it was because she was fat shamed. So awesome storyline there. Mm. And the wake is today. Dante used to date her. And so they closed the quick mart to go to the wake. I, I love how 
Dante actually knows her while Randall does not. Randall has like doesn't know this lady, but he's mm-hmm. like, if you go into the funeral, I'm going to the funeral. And they kind of bicker over that. And then Dante's like, forget it. Fuck it. Let's go. Locks at the store. Goes to the funeral home. And the next scene, we don't, all we see is them running out of the funeral home. And we don't know what happens. Turns out it's an actual scene that Kevin Smith wrote out, but he didn't have enough money to actually execute. So I, you know what? I prefer not having that scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Uh, we got the gist just of of Dante yelling at Randy, yeah. Randall. Yeah. And I think this um, is where for me, like Randall kind of becomes like, yeah, okay, he's like quirky and like, you know, sarcastic and whatever. But also I'm like, okay, but now he kind of crosses a moral line where mm-hmm. like he knocks over the casket at this wake and then he's over to Donna, like, big deal. Like, like, dude, he's just like... a little bit, a little bit of, <laughs> of remorse. And remorse. Yeah. Like, no, nothing from Randall. You get nothing from Randall. He's wow. like, I didn't break anything that she's gonna need. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Randall. Uh, Next oh, uh, paradigm. Oh, yes. Uh, we do get Jay is hanging out, and they're like, "You need to stop dealing drugs in front of our store." And he's like, "I'm not dealing." And some kid walks up, and he's like, "Hey, you got product?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> And now we're at Paradigm, an example or model. And this is where Randall goes into a diatribe about how title does not dictate behavior. And we also see a man in a briefcase comes in, and this is where Dante gets fined for selling cigarettes to a four-year-old. And then Rick Darris comes in. He used to fuck Caitlin. He's trying to convince Dante to be his personal trainer. He started the whole thing by like body shaming Dante. Yeah. He like, he's not, he might be lean, but he doesn't have any muscle and he's, he can't lift and all sorts of like gym bro thought processes. But essentially he's trying to convince him. And the girl in the scene was Kevin Smith's girlfriend at the time she should have been one of the other girlfriends because she was probably one of the better actresses yeah her and his sister who had like a throwaway line about manually inseminating chickens as her profession yeah i mean she she didn't do bad with what she was given (laughs) but this is just another i mean just pile them on like we have dante who is not a good man getting yeah. put down by toxic men. Like we had the dude on yeah. the roof in the hockey game that just, you know, pushes him over and kicks his hockey ball away. Then we got this guy like punk, like saying, Oh yeah, I fucked your girlfriend in high school. Also you you're weak. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I it's. And that's why just... they think that they're nice guys because in the sliding spectrum. scale yeah. <laughs> or the spectrum of toxic masculinity, that's how there's they're... worse guys right <laughs> but you're still shitty too <laughs> you can all be shitty yes <sighs> different shades of the shitty rainbow <laughs> so randall decides he needs hermaphrodite porn and goes to big choice video and caitlin shows up so dante's talking to caitlin she tells him that 
Sang proposed to her, but she said she needed to think about it, but he made her wear the ring. So her her mom saw and called the newspaper, blah, blah, blah. But she's going to say no. And for him, for, for freaking Dante. Yes. There's this whole drawn out discussion that ends with, I'm going to choose you. So here's my question. Critical thinking here. You're mad at your actual good girl, the girlfriend that is supportive of you for doing sexual acts with a certain amount of men. Prior but, to uh, your relationship. Prior to your relationship. But on in every corner of this movie, there has been evidence that your girlfriend that you used to date cheated on you all the time. Slept with multiple men without regard of your feelings. And freely admits to that. She's and has like, no, yeah. yeah. And he's like, it's okay. Make that make sense. And then, uh, in addition, <laughs> Kevin Smith writes the beautiful poetry of, I offer you sex and you offer me semantics or something like that. Yes. Caitlin is like, in no subtle terms, like literally throwing herself at Dante to give Dante this choice of Veronica and Caitlin. And I'm like, who, in what world, in what world does Dante get to choose yes. between <laughs> Veronica and Caitlin? It's like, what? And this is a problem that happens in, with these, like, as much as we love some of these directors, we have to look at the fact that they were nerds and were not accepted in the like with the bros that were looked and fawned upon in again that shitty spectrum so what do they do they become directors and and writers and they're like fuck you to all those guys who said i couldn't have anything and then they write the girls that they've always wanted and make them not treat them like shit and pretend like they are the most valuable sought after Mm -hmm. guys that guys girls you should be wanting us nice guys not those other shitty guys and and it's just delusions and you see it quentin tarantino josh we didn't like all of them do this shit and i'm like i don't want none of you (laughs) (laughs) i choose nothing yes (laughs) now we're at whimsy a fanciful idea Uh, randall's just casually watching porn at the quick stop now and then caitlin asks to use the bathroom and for some reason at 5 14 the lights go out every night they can't figure out why and she's like that's okay i'll pee in the dark and he does say if you break his heart again i'll kill you so i mean he is at least sticking up for dante a tiny <laughs> bit i mean no i think he's a loyal friend he loves him some dante as crazy as he does and what happens next fucking no logic okay (laughs) so quandary a dilemma (laughs) caitlin comes out of the bathroom a must dante has just walked back into the quick mart he just got back and she's like that was an amazing time you just laid there still 
and let me have my way with you. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So again, with Kevin Smith, like who just walks <laughs> and just offers this up? Like, hey, Randall, hey, Dante, let me just talk about the sex we just had. Yes. Like, what? In what world? Kevin Smith, what are you doing? Or, uh, or, or level this. Who goes into a bat? What fucking woman goes into the nasty ass quick mark bathroom? And sees, quote unquote, her boyfriend laying on the floor, dick out, <laughs> hops on top, like the amount of things that I would have to ignore to do something like this, hops on the, the, the dick and doesn't say anything and, and then, then says it's how, the best of my fucking life. How? How did she? So presumably she went in there and did everything by yes. herself, and then yeah. comes out like, "Wow, Dante, that was amazing." He he did nothing. Like the Dante in your mind did literally nothing. What? Yes, what that's another. Happening? That's another <laughs> male delusion that women would, because of course men would probably love it if a woman did. I don't know. Some men would love it if a woman would do all the work, take charge. What the fuck? There, like and may, maybe, maybe like if it was Dante coming out of the bathroom, be like, "Wow, yeah, that was amazing because you did everything and that was great." Right. Like, yeah. No, no woman is going like, "Wow, I just did all that work for ten or fifteen minutes and I am amazed. <laughs> this is awesome." Who? What? In what world? And, and is it a weird way to kind of slut shame this character? Yeah, by, by making her literally have sex with an old dead man, dead man because yeah. she's so over sexualized what not great <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> can, can we just have a moment for feminism <laughs> very apparent lack in this movie i just wanted to throw up and the way she came out like it was the best of my so then we get a female coroner to like do and like i just couldn't get over the fact that she never stopped writing i know i noticed that too what are you what are you writing she took her job very seriously it was like all the way across the whole page like left to right like okay all right the acting in this movie is phenomenal <laughs> so we're at lamentation expression of sorrow caitlin is taken away in the same ambulance as the dead dude for shock trauma and she's going to need years of therapy is like what we are told and then we get lamentation expression of sorrow we get our first jaws reference of the viewsk universe randall is pretending that his salsa dorito shark. who dips a dorito in salsa my question at this point jackie <laughs> it's the least of our problems <laughs> But this is another moment where it's like, God, this movie stuck with me. Because my sister and I, like, every time we're at a Mexican restaurant, we will do salsa, salsa shark. shark. <laughs> goes in a cage. Cage goes in the salsa. Sharks in the salsa. Our shark. <laughs> I really love that for you guys. Thank you. Thank Are you, you. going to, you think you'll still do it? Uh, Just have it now? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because like it's the weird thing about this movie is there's the, like the good things are so good and they're so easy to love. The bad things are so bad. It's like <laughs> Billy Madison just, with me oh, and Heather, where right. it's just there's so much bad, but then there's just those one liners that we're never going to stop. That's the nostalgia, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, me and Parent Trap. No, it's it's good. There's no problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hundred percent a perfect movie. <laughs> I beg to differ. But anyway, <laughs> this is where Randall kind of has the come to Jesus with Dante. Like, you need to shit and get off the pot or get off pot. Why don't you quit? You're miserable here. Go back to school. And Dante's just like, I can't. Like, this is what my lot in life is. This is what I'm doing. And so Dante, uh, Randall's kind of like, you're comfortable. It's a life of convenience for you. That's why you're with Veronica. She's low maintenance. She's easy to get along with. She does shit for you. And, and so. And she takes your shit, essentially. Yeah. And Dante says, I'm not the type of person dis- to disrupt things so I can shit comfortably. And that comes from a story of how. The toilet lid was down when he was little and he shit himself rather than like lifting up the toilet lid. What? Wait a minute. Whose story? Kevin Smith? Dante. Oh, okay. But I wonder if that's a Kevin Smith story told by Dante. Okay. May have been. So now we're at juxtaposition. James, this is where Jane, Silent Bob come in as the voice of reason. And, and quite reasonable. Right. 100%. Jay says, Veronica brings you food, rubs your back, changes your tire. She does shit for you all the time. Like, why is this hard for you? And then the one line from Silent Bob, millions of fine women in the world, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. And like, then Dante's like, oh my God, of course. Uh, that statement alone and then after this don't they doesn't he have oh randall tells veronica yeah while while jay and bob are being wise and veronica Veronica everything and veronica comes to the store and just like absolutely cusses him out and he tries to pretend that he like does not want to be with his ex-girlfriend with caitlin Mm -hmm. But she knows it's because now you don't have the option to, and I'm not even going to give you the chance to try to win me back. Like mm-hmm. we are done. You don't deserve me. And she, she books it out there. Like she tells him I've moved schools. I've done all these things for you and you don't deserve me. She's absolutely right. She leaves. Randall comes and he admits that she, cause like she said, Randall told me whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he and Dante get into a huge fight. Oh, the uh, most epic fight scene ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliantly shot and acted. It is, it, it is exciting. It's, it's something. I um, was like, how much was the destroyed snack food budget that right. they like just have strewn all over the floor? You don't have budget to be just wasting food like that. Not at all. But you know what? Whoever the owner of that place is living pretty because he made an investment in Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith mm-hmm. is just paying it over and over again. Cause think about how many people come to that random place now that's still open, by the way, the yep. quick stop in New Jersey is still open and uh, they do make up and uh, pretty much Randall challenges Dante to like take a step out of his comfort zone and yeah. start doing better. 
Yeah, I like I really liked Randall's dialogue here, like calling Dante out and just being mm-hmm. like, and at least and it was a lot of truth in it. Like Randall's like, look, I know that where I'm at is shit, but I don't try and act like I'm better than this. This is where I'm at. And I'm just going to do it. But Dante just whines all the time. And right. and Randall called him out for that. Like, if you're going to whine and complain, then, you know, you need to do something. Although there was a moment, like, this is the communication studies teacher in me, where, like, Randall started with you. Like, you do this and you do that. And then he, like, switched to we and said, like, we do this and we do that. And I was like, no, 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 Randall. You don't need to, like, you're good. Like, you're, yeah. you're not, like, keep calling Dante out for being a shithead. Yeah. As a... But yeah, that was the communication professor. You know, I was like, don't use we when you mean you and don't use you when you mean those aren't interchangeable, Randall. <laughs> I think he's probably doing it because he he still feels like Dante can't hear it. Yeah. Dante's too sensitive at times. Like some people are not always ready to hear the truth about themselves. I, and I think he kind of gave it into him already. Like Veronica just laid into him. So maybe he kind of felt bad about it. But you're right. He should have just kept it to him at least. Yeah. yeah. And he does tell him, you look down on customers, like you're better than them. And you work at a convenience <laughs> right. store. Like what's the difference? So then we move into the final segment. The final part of a narrative where a resolution is met. So they're cleaning up and Dante says, I'm going to call out tomorrow. I'm going to go check on Caitlin. I'm going to have a conversation with Veronica and it's been a hell of a day. Will you wrangle for me? The Randall wrangle. If I could just, if I wish I knew how many like miles my friends and I like walked in the Randall wrangle. Cause it is, <laughs> it <laughs> it's is like, I love it. It's, amazing he does it at the beginning and then he does it at the end just to to make Dante smile and he pulls the sheet down throws it at Dante says you're closed and then that's where we kind of get the end so that is clerks in the book spike mike reloaded by john pearson kevin smith is quoted I've said it a zillion times and I'll continue to say it until I hit the grave. We were more lucky than talented, particularly on the first movie. I love Clerks and it still stands up. (laughs) This was written in the early 2000s though. So I'd be interested to know his take now. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, if you guys have any feedback or questions about this episode... Make sure you hit us up at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And let's get to our ratings rewind. We'll start with you, Nick. What is your current day rating of this movie? I would have to say, I would give it a two-day rental just because there are some really smart, clever things. It does serve as like a time capsule and and there is that like posterity there that I think is worth remembering but nobody ever needs to watch this movie more than once and anybody who watches this movie view it as a time capsule for like yeah so I think like I don't want to put it totally in the trash but it is not not even half as good as I thought it was in my brain Jackie I am disappointed in Kevin (laughs) (laughs) I've got my I'm a dad now so now I'm just like disappointed dad I'm like (laughs) 
Kevin Smith, you knew better. You could have done so much better. I feel like <laughs> there's growth, you know? That's the good thing, hopefully. I, I agree. So I, I would give it a two-day. I haven't watched this movie in probably 10 years. And maybe in another 10, I'll be ready to watch it again. I don't think I would write it off as like, I'll never be watching this piece of crap again. But yeah, it is very, very problematic. And like I said, I'm a mall rat anyway, so... Two-day rental for me. I will not be watching this movie again. I don't feel a need to. There's, I don't have enough nostalgia tied to it for me to go back. I I do love, like Nick said, the story of how they even came to make this movie is great. I love that this is the birth story of Kevin Smith. And I love that I can relate to the aspect of being from a clerk background myself and the friendship that they have, I feel like I can tie that to Jackie and I's friendship and just like some of the banter and talks that we've had about stupid stuff. So I do love the mundane of like the everyday for it. And I actually don't, you know, I'm I'm such a weirdo. I don't love black and white movies normally unless they're like old movies, but I didn't mind this one being in black and white. So that's it. That's fair. Jack? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm like, I'm like with the Pixar movies. I'm like, I'm not gonna, not gonna argue. I have no. no we are in no agreement defense. this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you would like to share your nostalgia of Clerks, or let us know if you were a clerk or a mall rat, hit us up at the Quick Drop nine zero nine six zero one NMLF nine zero nine six zero one six six five three. You can twat us at the Twitters or leave a voice message at Anchor FM. And you could be I featured want to, on a uh, future episode. <laughs> I want to specifically invite my sister to call in and tell yes. her story of the being arrested at Hollywood Video and taking all her piercings out. If I maybe I hope I remember that correctly. And Liz, give <laughs> a call and tell your version of that story. I want to know. Yes, Liz, please please call in, and we need to get you on the podcast anyway. But we will definitely feature your regaling of that tale. <laughs> And join us next week as Kat Quinn joins us to discuss how to lose a guy in 10 days. One of our faves. Very excited about that. Yes, I'm super excited about that. And as always, be kind and rewind.